an honor to be before you this morning and speak the word. And I'm, I'm so excited about the word. And I really didn't know where Pastor was going when God gave me this word. But it just kept lining up. And then it kept lining up. And I kept getting more excited. And it was just overwhelming. So you're going to love it this morning. And I believe that God is challenging us this morning. He's issuing a challenge to us to 21 days of kindness. It's not just to be nice, but it's to invest, like Orlando said, in, in people's lives to see our city changed for him. So we're going to take our text out of the book of Acts, chapter 8, verses 26 through 40. Acts chapter 8, verses 26 through 40. And Pastor had spoken last week, we talked about the day of Pentecost, how that they were sent to the upper room to wait for the, the Spirit of God to come upon them, and that when the power would come, that they would be uh, receive power to be witnesses in both Jerusalem and into all the world, and that they would receive the power of the Holy Ghost for that. And so this kind of just follows up. This kind of tags on to that because after these men had received the Holy Ghost, they had been empowered. They had just watched their Savior be crucified, resurrected, and ascended into heaven. They were a little bit excited about what God was doing. It was real to them. The message was real to them. And so this is where it leads to in, in verse 26. And it says, As for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, Go south down to the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and he met the treasurer of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under the candidate of queen of Ethiopia. The eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and he was now returning. Seated in his carriage, he was reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah. And the Holy Spirit said to Philip, Go over and walk alongside beside the carriage. Philip ran over and heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. And Philip asked, do you understand what you're reading? And the man replied, how can I unless someone instructs me? And he urged Philip to come up into the carriage and sit with him. And that's what I want to talk about this morning is that somebody needs you to sit with them. We're going to go on to verse 32. It says the passage of scripture that he had been reading was this. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb is silent before the shears, and he did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. And the eunuch asked Philip, tell me, was the prophet talking about himself or someone else? So he, beginning with the same scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. As they rode along, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? He ordered the carriage to stop, and they went down into the water, and Philip baptized him there. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. The eunuch never saw him again, but he went on his way rejoicing. Meanwhile, Philip found himself farther north at the town of Azotus. He preached the good news there and in every town along the way until they came into Caesarea. So I want to talk to you this morning about will you sit with me? There's somebody in your life that you're coming across that's saying, will you sit with me? There's somebody that's asking God, will you send somebody to sit with me, to show me the way, teach me the way, and share with me the good news? There's a, there's a, a little place in Philadelphia that people 
tour every day. They drive by on these big double-decker buses, and they see various statues and parks and monuments. They see uh, Benjamin Franklin's grave and Betsy Ross's home. And, but there's a place there that's called the Independence Hall, where the Declaration of the Independence was signed, as well as where the first Supreme Court met. And of course, the building is what houses the Liberty Bell. If you were to visit there, this tour guide would take you through, and she would explain all these things to you, how the Liberty Bell was made in England, and after being shipped to Philadelphia, it was cracked, and the very first time it was used, it was cracked. The bell was recast, adding some copper to it for strength, but people complained that it no longer had this pleasant sound to it. So again, they tried to recast it and repair this bell that they had brought, imported all the way from England for this purpose but it still was none the better. And there was, there was this man that was going on this tour, and he began to tell the, speak to the tour guide and ask her questions, and he asked her if she had ever heard that, there, that the, the bell was wanting to be, the people didn't want it anymore, and they wanted to give it away. They wanted to get it out because it was of no value to them at that time. And so they had asked this man, William Bank, if he would... Uh, take this bell, he was a bell maker, and so he agreed for $400 that he would remove the bell and he would, you know, use whatever he wanted to repurpose the, the metal or whatever. But after William went out there, he realized that this 2,000-pound relic was really wasn't worth the trouble. It wasn't worth the trouble. So the city ends up suing him because they don't want it and he don't want it, but now he's made an agreement, and so they go and... and he begins to say, okay, I'll go get it. So what he does is he takes it and he donates it back to the city so they're kind of stuck with it. Because he didn't believe that there was any value in it. And frankly, he was right. The metal was no good. It was substandard. They couldn't use it for anything. It had structural damage to it. And it only rung a couple times in the 150 years that it was. There was, no, there was a time that nobody wanted the Liberty Bell. But if you were to go there today you would have to go through armed guards and you would have to go through metal detector doors because now they understand that the Liberty Bell has value, not because of the value of the metal or the crack in it or where it's located. It's a value because at once it had been used to ring the liberty, a sign of liberty, and declare the independence. It is now priceless. Where once they couldn't get rid of it for $400, it is now a priceless item. And on it engraved is Leviticus, part of Leviticus 25.10, which says this, proclaim, proclaim liberty throughout the land that in, in all of its inhabitants will hear. And you say, why did you stare that long story with me? Well, the reason I share that is because throughout the New Testament, we are told stories, and for us, they become household names. We hear of Paul, and we hear of James, and Mary, and Martha, and Peter, and so we hear of these names that once declared the freedom of the Lord, and so now they are, they are these people that even though their lives had cracks in it, even though they were torn and shattered, and they weren't perfect, but they had come to the knowledge of Christ, and so now they were these Liberty Bells for Christ, declaring freedom wherever they went. And that's where we meet Philip, and that's what Philip was doing. So Philip is only mentioned about three times in the Bible, and the first time that we hear of it, he's being ordained to become a, uh, not ordained, but he's being set as to become a deacon to feed the, 
the widows and all that. But it says that the scripture says that these men were to be known to be full of the spirit and full of wisdom. Full of the spirit and full of the wisdom. And not long after Philip had received this responsibility, the persecution of the church began in Jerusalem. And so they had executed the apostle James and and Peter had been imprisoned. And so Christians began to flee, but there was still a revival that was going about. And Philip was led to go about 35 miles north of where they were at into the region of Samaria, where he began to share firsthand revelation and witness for the cause of Christ. And the scripture says that, not revival, but that he converted nearly the whole city. I would love to see that. Nearly the whole city was converted for Christ. And so there's three things that I want to take from our text this morning that I believe that we can learn from and that we can assign to our life. And I believe that God is commissioning us to do this. And the first thing is the mission. The first thing that we see is that the angel of the Lord had given Philip a specific assignment. He gave him a specific instruction. Now you have to remember that there was a revival. Philip has been working. He's been ministering the gospel. Nearly the whole city is converted. And now uh, more disciples are being sent in to help him because it's just breaking out. And God speaks to Philip and says, I want you to go into the desert. Into the desert? You want me to go into the desert? There's, I'm in the re- middle of a revival, God, and you want me to go into the desert. But Philip had a mission to fulfill. There was one man amongst many that needed to hear the word. God always puts people in the right places at the right time. And some has already done that for you. And some God has done that for your children. And you've seen that in the right time, in the right place, somebody gives you a call. Somebody makes that, 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 that reach out to you that you can relate to. And so God asked Philip, go into the desert. He gave him a direction. I'm talking about the mission, church. Jesus instructed them all that they would receive power after the Holy Ghost came upon them. And the power was so that they could become witnesses into all the earth. They were to share the gospel. I was thinking this morning as we were singing, and we were singing about the the death and the resurrection of Christ and, and how they said, I could see him now, the love in his eyes. You have to understand that these men had witnessed this thing. They had seen, they had walked with Jesus Christ. They knew him personally. It wasn't a secondhand relationship. They had, some of them had stood at the foot of the cross and they had witnessed this love. They had witnessed this revelation. And so now Christ is commissioning them to go out and to do the same thing as he is us. Bringing people to Christ, that's what every believer is called to. It's not reserved for Pastor Josh. It's not reserved for, you know, Pastor Orlando and Pastor Ronnie. They're the outgoing ones. Let's send them, Lord. You know? No, every one of us are commissioned to win souls. We are born and commissioned to serve. And by serving, we, we win others. Behind this commission 
I love this because behind this commission was the foreknowledge of God, that he's seen a man that was so hungry for the word. He's seen a man that was so longing for the truth, this Ethiopian eunuch. He was looking for the way. He was looking for the true way. And so he sees this on this side, and he says, I've got to get Philip to get over here because I need this man to be lined up with the right person that could share the right word at the right time. I'm looking for a man and a woman that will be obedient to me. That when I say run, you better run. When I say speak to that individual, you speak to that individual. Because the foreknowledge of God knows the heart of every individual. There's always something behind it. I'm talking about the mission. In verse 27 it says, And he arose and he went. And behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure and had come to Jerusalem to worship. He had come. He was searching. He was looking. He was longing for someone to sit with him. He was longing for somebody. In verse 29, it says, how can I understand unless someone guides me? And so he invites Philip to come up into his carriage and sit with him. God sees it all. He's seen Philip. He's seen the one man that was hungry. He's seen the mission of the church. He's seen the commission that Christ had given them before he ascended. What is it today that God has given you a commission for? Do you know what the mission is? Do you know what the assignment on your life is that Christ has appointed you and called you? He will lead you and he will guide you because there's people longing every day for you to speak the word, for you to speak truth. For you to live Christ in front of them. Philip talked about Jesus everywhere he went. I can't be certain that he felt qualified to do it. But nevertheless, he did it. He could have said in his heart, God, I don't, I don't speak like Peter does. I can't explain to you like Paul does. I can't, I can't do all these things. I'm not, I'm not as strong as John the Baptist. But yet, Inside, he knew that Christ was commissioning him, and he had a willing heart to be obedient to the mission. We can feel inferior to others, but that doesn't give us the excuse that we can't serve and do what God's called us to do. You see, people often see themselves like they see that Liberty Bell back in the 1800s. They believe Christianity is made of this inferior metal, this perfect agenda, and then they look at their lives and they say, but God, I've got this big crack right here. I've got this big thing that I've went through in my past. And I don't know if I'm the one that should re really be ringing the bell for you. But Christ says, yes, you are to share the gospel throughout the world, throughout the Galena, throughout Joplin, wherever you're located, wherever you work. You are to sound the alarm of God's grace and love to others. God's value is not found in, in whether our ability. He doesn't see our value in our ability, but yet he sees it in our availability. Will we be available for him? When the Liberty Bell was made, there was no other bells that were made. They had, there, there was other bells that were made. They're, they're more pleasant sounding. They could, you know, they sounded prettier. They maybe even looked prettier. But yet none of those bells have gone to the value of the Liberty Bell because they did not proclaim the liberty of our nation. It was when the need arose and the liberty bell was there, its value became of use. How many of us will be available this week 
in the next 21 days, that we would be sensitive to the Spirit of God to lead us, to do acts of kindness, to minister and be attentive to those that are around us that are in need. Does anybody know who Jerry Rice is? Jerry Rice has been a longtime star for the San Francisco 49ers. Now, it overlooked the 49ers part. We'll go on from there, okay? But he is considered to be one of the greatest receivers in the history of all football. In fact, his talent was so relevant that in high school, he had colleges approaching him early to give him scholarships and offer him scholarships. And once the Black Entertainment Television interviewed him and they said, Jerry, you have got to tell us why, of all the colleges, did you attend a small, obscure little university like Mississippi Valley State University? And I'd have been a Mississippi. And Rice responded this, out of all the big-time schools, such as UCLA and many more, to recruit me, Mississippi Valley State University was the only one that came to my house and sat down with me. He was from a small college because that college was there when he was looking for an opportunity. They've made a personal investment in him. They sent somebody to sit with him to make an investment. People, we are needing to be available to people. We're needing to be available for, to sit with somebody and share with them the gospel. Listen, pray with them, believe with them. You heard my mother-in-law and my father-in-law testify this morning about the power of them being thousands of miles away, but knowing that there is somebody that right now is sitting with them in agreement and praying for their need. They're not praying for their own need, but they're taking a minute to pray for their need, and that ministers to people. There's a mission. The next thing we see is the message that Philip was instructed to share. Philip might have well been hesitant because this man was of... Uh, he was, he was a, a prominent man. He was a wealthy man. You didn't just approach a, a eunuch sitting in a chariot. There were different classes of people. But yet Philip knew that the Spirit of God had not led him without a purpose. He knew that he had not been called into the desert to minister, but he trusted the voice of the Lord. We're not called to witness to every person that we come in contact. It's really not physically possible if we want to get anything done in life. But we are called to be sensitive to those that, are, and, and there are people that God has placed in your life that you are their assignment. You've been assigned to them. They're specifically there for you to witness to them. And the Holy Spirit had prompted Philip for this occasion. Without seconds, Philip runs. The Holy Spirit's timing is always perfect because this is another illustration that shows us the foreknowledge of God. Because God sees the eunuch sitting in there reading the book of Isaiah. He sees exactly where he's at in his reading. He knows exactly what time that Philip needs to come up into the verses that he's reading so that the, he, the hunger in Philip's mind, the questions that he had developed while he's reading this and he's asking, he wants to know more about this Christ. He wants to know more about this man who had been led like a sheep to the slaughter. And so the scripture says that Philip ran because the Spirit of God says run. He said run. There are times when God calls us to make haste on his occasion. There's times that God gives us a certain illustration or instruction to be done because somebody is at the right time, at the right moment, that their heart is primed for the opportunity to know Jesus Christ. 
I'm talking about the message. When you are a witness to something, it means that you are a first-hand experience on what happened at the scene. You are to be a first-hand experience on what Christ can do on a life, on a person that's broken and, and torn, and he can take you and mend you, and he's become your Savior. And so it's not that you're sharing a lot of Scripture and you're just reading this text. is that you're saying, I've been there. I've been there. I've been sick and I was healed. I've been lost and now I'm found. I know the Savior. It's a first-hand witness encounter of what Christ can do in the life of someone. Have you ever stopped to notice that there's people hurting around you? That there's people lost beside you? I'm talking about the message of Christ that we have been empowered to share. We've been empowered to share. There's a story that I read in, happened in the Christmas Eve of 1910. General Booth was the founder of the Salvation Army in London, England, and he was near his death. He was near at the end of his life. And they had this big banquet coming up, and they knew that, that the general was probably not going to make it to the, to the ball. And this was a special occasion because they would spend all this time before the holidays ministering to people and pouring out and giving and giving and serving. And so all the people would come together when they would have this huge celebration. And so they knew that the general might not be able to make it. And so they said, General, if you could just give us a... a uh, a word to share with them. If you could just send a telegraph that maybe we can read to them when the time comes and we can share why you're not here. And so he, he, he began to think in his mind, okay, what is something that I can say? And he wanted to keep the expense down so he wasn't spending all this money on sending a telegraph so he can read this message. He said, what, what could I say that would encourage people, that would challenge people, that would say, people, we need to be about the mission, that my life may be over, I may be on my last days, and this may not be the, the next, and this may be my only Christmas, and you may not have me next time. What is one word that I could say that would minister to them and challenge them and get them to thinking? And so he writes his word, and he sends it, and so the ball comes, and, and, and the, the guy that's leading it, he gets up, and he shares that General Booth is not going to be able to make it today. He's very ill. He's on his last days. And so, you know, gloom and despair just hit the congregation and, and this celebration of life that was, you know, all this serving that they had done. And they said, wow, you know, he's not going to be here. And, he, and the guy spoke up, and he said, but he sent a message for all of us. He sent a word for all of us to hear. And so the gentleman opens up the telegram and, and he begins to read. And, he, and the word that he read was others, exclamation point, signed General Booth. Others. We've been commissioned for others, not for ourselves, for others. The scripture, when he came, when Philip came up to the eunuch and he was reading the scripture, he was reading that he was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before its shears is silent, so he does not open his mouth. In humiliation, his judgment was taken away. Who will relate to this generation? Church, who will sit with them? Who will share the gospel with them? Who will do this? We see the mission. We see the message. And now we're going to hear of the movement.
Amen. Amen. How many know that God is trying to use Christ Point? Amen. When I look at this story, I, I think about heaven. I see heaven. I, I see heaven because I see Jesus as he left heaven to come to earth. Amen. It was a good thing for Philip to be preaching. It was a good thing that was happening there in Samaria. But how many know that there was a man in need? There was a man that had hunger. There was a man that was looking for more than just religion. Amen. And in verse 34 and verse 35 out of the book of Acts chapter 8, you see the movement. The Bible says that the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, on whom is this prophet speaking about? Himself or someone else? What a leading question to ask the preacher of the gospel. This question was like that of Nicodemus who asked Jesus, how can a man be born again if he's old? John 3, 4. This question is like the one that the Philippian jailer asked Paul and Silas. What must I do to be saved? Acts 16, 30. This question resembles like the question that the Jerusalem crowd asked Peter at the day of Pentecost. Men and brethren, what shall we do? Acts 2, 37. Such leading questions are certain evidence that the Holy Spirit is at work. And how many know that the Holy Spirit is at work here today? How many know that we need the Holy Spirit to come alongside of us and help us? And here this man, this eunuch, is brought up to a crucial point, a point um, where his life, amen, is about to move, amen, from just dead religion but to an experience with the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and that's what heaven is about because heaven is moving. Jesus is moving. We move from darkness to death. We move from shame to glory. We move from death to life because heaven is moving and God is looking for a church that is moving. The Bible says that signs will follow those, will follow those that are moving, amen? And so here we see this man that is, he's bringing, uh, the Holy Spirit is leading this man uh, to a point of salvation. God help us to be there at the point of people's salvation. How many would love to be a participant of people being saved, amen? How many would love to see somebody come to Jesus Christ and lead them? I think about a story not lo too long ago of a young lady that's been coming to our church. She was just sitting down the street over here at the Dollar General, was having just a little bit of a hard time with her salvation and didn't really understand if God was really hearing her or even if God loved her. Now you've got to understand when I come to the office every day, I don't call, I, I've learned not to call anybody at 9 o'clock or before 10 o'clock. So what I do, I come, I set my papers, I start to pray, I watch videos, talk to pastor quite a bit, and, and get him pumped up, amen, ready to go, because pastor needs me to pump him up every morning, right, pastor? <laughs> so I sit there, in, and, and, and as a matter of fact, we talk a lot, don't we, and just sit there before we start, and, and, but this time it was a little different, because as I was looking in this direction, and getting ready to see of, of the agenda of the day, the Holy Spirit quickly said, call this lady right now. And I said, God, it's only 9.15. I don't make calls till 10 o'clock. She's sitting at the Dollar General. God tells me, call this lady right now. And I'm arguing with him. And I tell him, Lord, it's only 9.15. I call at 10. And how I many know, thank God for my obedience. Because I went, I, I picked up the phone. And, and, and it rang, and, 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 and 
normally people say hello, but she goes, ah! I said, hello, are you okay? What is happening? She goes, oh my God, wait a minute, wait a minute, hold on. And she just starts bawling and crying, and she said, why did you call me? I said, I don't know. I was just sitting here, and God told me to call you. She goes, who told you to call to call me? I said, God told me to. She says, Pastor, you cannot believe what just happened. I was walking along the aisles of Dollar General. I came out to my car. I, I asked the Lord, Lord, if you really love me, you have Pastor Orlando call me right now and show me if you really love me. And there on the phone, I am telling her that God loves her. Reaching people at their point. In verse 37 and verse 35, we're moving right along. Philip opened his mouth and he began at the same scripture and preached unto this man, Jesus Christ. Verse 36, they begin to move. You see, heaven is moving, church. We can't just sit here. We got to go sit somewhere else. I love what Christy said, that Philip ran alongside that chariot. I mean, know that people need somebody to run alongside of them. Amen. And that's what we're about. That's what church is about. This is, this is a, a, a story that paints heaven. It was a good thing for what Philip was doing. It was a, a good thing. Revival, people were getting healed. As a matter of fact, as Christian mentioned, Peter had to come and help of what was happening. But yet, God called him 35 miles away for one man. How many times do we say that Jesus would die for one person? I've said it thousands of times, and before that I've heard other people. As a matter of fact, I said it because I heard my first pastor say it. Then I said it. But the longer I live, the more I realize how true that is. That Jesus would leave the 99 for one person. I believe it here today. And in verse 36, it says, as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water, and the eunuch said, see, here is water. What doth hinder me? From being baptized. Philip had made clear that the eunuch had to be baptized. Make a public confession. The Ethiopian had found in Jesus what he had not found in Jerusalem. You see, he went to Jerusalem because he was a proselyte Jew. And he knew that if he can talk to God, and if anybody can talk to God, would be those Jewish people. He saw that, but yet he found nothing and now here Philip is telling him about Jesus Christ. You see, religion is beautiful and religion has its sentiments, but religion without the spirit is dead. And thank God that here at Christ Point, not only do we have religion, but we have the Holy Spirit that can come alongside us and, and help us. You see, all of life have prepared this man for this moment. His education helped him to read. His scholarship enabled him to read the language of the Bible. His position made it possible for him to travel to Jerusalem. His wealth made it possible for him to uh, uh, buy the scrolls of Isaiah. His interest in Jerusalem and in Ju Judaism drew him from afar to a city where Christ was crucified. His deep disappointment in Judaism the, heart, the hunger in his heart all prepared him for the now. Nothing is wasted. You see, all that comes into our lives is significant. From the cradle of the grave, 
the goodness of God is at work in our lives and is leading us to repentance and a closer walk with Him. Listen, your sunshine, your shadow, your mountaintop, your valley, your, your loss, your gain, your joy, your advancement, your adversity, all things work together for the purposes and the providence of God. So faith is exercised, pointing to the water the eunuch asked to be baptized. Verse 34 and 39 says this, And he commanded the chariot to stand still, and they went down into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they were come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught up Philip again to another city so he can go preach. Wow, phenomenal. Phenomenal story that we see here today. It, it, it reminds me of the story of the gospel. Jesus leaving heaven. Heaven was a good thing. It was a perfect relationship, perfect environment. Yet because of what happened to humanity, humanity's sin had come and taken humanity far, far away from God. Because that's what sin does. Sin takes you away from God. And the further away that you get from God, the further we get away from God, the colder we get. And that's what this man had happened. He had gotten cold because instead of getting closer to God, he was actually getting further from God. So he received repentance. I like this story here today. Just a few moments ago, we talked about our sister-in-law, Michelle. She told me not to put her in the spot, and I'm not. I'm just going to mention her name one time. But just a few moments ago, Sean, can you come? Just a few months ago, I called the elders for the church. We had just prayed for my stepdad, Alfonso. And we believe in prayer here. If you go out of this church after what you heard here today, I, I don't know what else to tell you. But when you pray, God listens. God hears you. So we gathered around and we have a practice here in our church that is found in the scriptures. And I really don't have a lot, a lot to, a lot of time to tell you. But, but, but we believe that, that we can use a point of contact. And that's all that it is. A re representation of the divine, of the glory, of the spirit, of the anointing. So we got a handkerchief. And we prayed over it. And right before church started, I went to her and I asked her, listen, I'm, I'm going to be talking, we're going to mention, and we're going to say your name. And she said, well, can you just say one thing? Can you tell the people that I took that handkerchief that they prayed over and I took it with me into the room, into the every uh, uh, hospital, into her doctor's appointments? Uh, she, she took that handkerchief of divine contact and, and she knew that God was there with her. She knew that God was there with her. You see, in what is before his church, we have an, an act of kindness and of goodness. Will you stand with me here today? Brother John, will you give me some of these cards? Will you, will you come? I believe they're ushers. Will you take some of these? See, heaven is moving here today. Heaven is moving. There's the Holy Spirit that is running. Come along. Coming alongside humanity trying to help them. But you know what they need? A point a contact. They need a point of contact.
they need a point of contact. You see, this story here reminds me of heaven. It reminds me of the story of salvation because he left his abode. This is John chapter 1. And he tabernacled with us. What does that mean? What does that mean? It says that Jesus left heaven so he can come to live among us. The Bible says in the book of John, it says that he came and he dwelt and he walked among us. He became visible for the invisible. How do you give an expression to an invisible heaven, an invisible God, an invisible goodness? You know what you do? You make a point of contact. <laughs> Come on, somebody. You are that point of contact for somebody. God has raised you up. God has healed you. God has delivered you. God has answered your prayer. God has done great things in your life because he has made you a point of contact. A point of contact. Father, give us an awareness. Let us be sensitive to grocery store. Let us be sensitive. Let us not be such... Hurry, people, hurry with the busyness, busyness of life that we forget the heaven. Heaven, there's appointments, heavenly appointments and, and godly moments that, God, you've been working and with your great providence, you are working. Just like that lady, Father, that was sitting at the Dollar General praying, if you love me, have Pastor call me, have him call me and tell me that he, you love me, Lord. A point of contact, a moment of contact. Ushers, do we have them? Will you come up to the front? How many of you guys would take one of these? How many of you would take one of these? Will you take one of these? Will you take one of these? And, and what we do is we ask you that maybe it's a cup of coffee. Maybe, maybe you're going to buy Pastor Phil Wyden. He has a great story. He just, he just said, I want to pay for the guy behind me. He has a great story. He said, I just want to buy it. And, and the guy, the teller says, it's just a cup of coffee. And he says, I, it doesn't matter. It's just a cup of coffee. I'm going to buy him a cup of coffee. The guy went through the uh, window there, and, 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 and the, the teller told this per, the Pastor Phil, or the man that Pastor Phil had paid for his coffee, he said, that man over there paid for your coffee. And the man got out of his car to chase Pastor Phil. He says, man, dude, it's just a cup of coffee. See, it's more than just a cup of coffee. It's a point of contact. Come on, it's life. It's life. It's joy. It's unbelievable. It's full of glory. Come on, it's just, it's just more than just, just an act of kindness. It's more than that. It's a soul. It's somebody that heaven wants. It's somebody that Jesus wants. It's somebody that God loves. It's somebody that he gave his life for. It's more than that. It's more than that. It's more than that. So church, I'm going to challenge you today. We got 21 days. 21 days to impact this city and do some great things that we can turn this city upside down with the kindness of God. With the kindness of God. With this kindness. I'm going to challenge you tonight. Will you take one of these? Will you take one of these just like we took Paul and Peter and the apostles took a handkerchief? And the Bible says that they even casted out devils. 
When they handed this to the unbelievers and they handed this to the sick people and they handed the handkerchiefs, the Bible says that even spirits left those people. How many know that God is going to do some great things? You just never know. You never know who's going to be sitting beside you. You never know who's going to come to this church because of, of, of an act of kindness. You're going to be a point of contact. You're going to be used for a moment in somebody's life. For a moment in somebody's life. 